blistering victim testimony on the impact of investment fraud and regulatory failure in the UK was last week given to MPs on Parliament's pension scams inquiry. This is a probe that Transparency Task Force campaigned for across Parliament. Were you in one scheme or more than one scheme? Uh, just in the ARC scheme. In the ARC scheme. And how much how much of your savings you, you're in your pocket? Combined, uh, approximately £250,000. £250,000. OK, thank you. ARC scheme pension scam victim Susan Flood, who together with her partner was scammed of approximately £250,000 10 years ago, told MPs that systemic failures in the UK are top-down from the majority of the regulatory bodies, that's the watchdogs. So just how was it that you became aware that something had gone wrong? I mean, I saw the advert in the paper for the award-winning company AES International. I have to be honest, literally, when he walked down the path after he'd come into my house and sold me this speechless for it, um, when he'd sold me this scheme in front of my children, um, whose future he, he took away, um, I had a gut feeling that something was wrong. So I started pushing for my paperwork from day one. And when that didn't arrive, I um, went to everybody, um, including those people that sold it to me. MPs heard that despite being advised by regulated experts and employing lawyers in response to red flags just weeks after the transfer, Flood and her partner were completely stripped of their pension savings and they've yet to find any redress. Instead, they are facing a monstrous tax bill on the proceeds of crime, which has accrued interest year on year. So how much does that amount to now, Sue? Uh, do you know, I don't, I don't know, Stephen, and I, I carry on my life, sorry, uh, in a manner that um, it's better off not knowing, um, to be honest, it's yes. too much to handle. The second witness at last week's session was a guy in his 50s called Dennis Waite, who lost, in a different HMRC-registered scheme, a 108,000 Royal Mail pension that he had spent 21 years accruing. He told MPs that he is also facing a tax bill of 40% on the proceeds of that crime against him. Now, Sue became suspicious very quickly when she was scammed. Paperwork that she was requesting was not coming through, she wasn't getting access to it, and that was when she employed lawyers. Dennis's experience was extremely different. He had made the transfer, not thought about it for a, about a year, and then the expected annual report that you usually get when you make an investment was not coming in the post. I made all the effort I could to get in contact with the company. Uh, I did manage to speak to someone initially, and they said to me, uh, oh, there will be a statement coming through. A couple of weeks passed, nothing. And then, eventually, this, it, only, the only way I can describe it, it looks like um, a used car salesman. Um, and as soon as I saw it out, I thought, oh, my God. And then I tried to contact them again to no avail. So I actually drove down to where the office was supposed to be, um, in Kent, in Beckenham. And when I got there, there was like a small virtual office, and that's when I knew scam that Waite fell victim to is being investigated by the Serious Fraud Office, he told the committee. However, that can be quite rare, and Rick Muir of the Police Foundation later told MPs that punitive tax bills of the type fa being faced by Flood and Waite can deter a lot of victims of financial crime from coming forward. Well, I think, I think it's a case of double victimisation. You know, I mean, I think people are... Um, 
uh, you know, we're talking about people who've lost um, a significant amount of their life savings and it's putting them in serious financial peril. We've heard about the kind of emotional and psychological impact of that on people from the, the witnesses earlier. Rick Meyer explained that the Police Foundation had done some research into pension scams in which this was revealed. You can see the report online and he said that the information came from officers. Um, we were told often by police investigators that we spoke to, we didn't speak directly to, to victims, we spoke to, to police officers who had been working with victims and it was, it was they who had told us um, about the, the impact that the, the, the HMRC's approach was having. What is the true cost, though, of HMRC's inaction in preventing these kind of frauds from taking place or treating them in the right way? Flood told MPs that, in her opinion, HMRC failed to engage with the issues cast up by the ARC scheme early on. It's since been deemed by the High Court to be a type of fraud on the power of investment. Um, it was just something, just, I, I, I don't even know, just something just didn't stack up right for me in my gut, and I... Um, bitterly regret that decision of not chasing him. Um, Dennis, was there anything you, you, you said when he went down to the to the offices and so on? That must have been absolutely gutting when he saw... Oh, yeah. In a big office building, there was this little yeah. house. Um, and I, I saw someone going in. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh my God. Um, and then I saw... I managed... I waited around there for about an hour. I saw this guy going in. I chased after him. And what it turns out to be was like a vir one of those virtual offices where there's about yeah. 40 different businesses that are registered to this one address. Yeah. Just... Can, can I just add one? Can I add one thing? My yeah. husband did go down, my partner did go down to Stephen Wall's offices yeah. um, in a desperate bid to try to get this stopped. And he was asked to leave. And um, so he actually did go and confront him. Ward was an advisor who put millions at risk, according to the pensions regulator, who described Ward in 2018 as reckless and lacking in integrity and banned him from acting, acting as a pension trustee. It is, however, important to note, at the same time, that the pensions regulator did not find a lack of honesty or integrity from Ward on the ARC schemes, which he had introduced to Flood and 175 other victims. Instead, they found that Ward had failed to learn from the ARC scam. Three years later, he had promoted another massive scam. TPR's 2018 report on Ward, where it covers the ARC schemes, really does set this out. It states, The position statement prepared on behalf of Mr Ward for the hearing of this case stressed that at the time of making the introductions, the schemes in question were registered with HMRC and the regulator and that Mr Ward was not an, a trustee or administrator of those schemes. The panel was told in oral submissions on behalf of Mr Ward that no such trustee or administrator had been prohibited from acting as a trustee on the basis of dealings with the ARC schemes. Further, the panel did not consider there was sufficient evidence of Mr Ward having actual knowledge of or of turning a blind eye to the illegal nature of the activity of the ARC schemes when carrying out his role as introducer before December 2011. We therefore did not find a lack of honesty or integrity on this issue. However, the panel took the view, they wrote, that a person of competence would have learned from his experience with the ARC schemes, 
Mr Ward ought to have gained knowledge and experience from a close involvement with a pension scheme that was found to be a vehicle for pension liberation and had such grave consequences for members. The watchdog then shifted its focus to the later scheme that Ward promoted in 2014 called London Quantum, in which victims were approached by introducers being paid to try to persuade pension holders to transfer their funds. More than 90 people had transferred their pensions, worth in excess of £6 million, into the scheme. Four years later, Ward and another advisor were regulated for incompetence regarding the London Quantum case. Nicola Parrish, TPR's Executive Director of Frontline Regulation, concluded that Stephen Ward and Anthony Sully put millions of pounds of other people's money at risk and have neither the knowledge nor the skills needed to run a pension scheme, she said. She added in her statement at the time that trustees play a vital role as the first line of defence for pension schemes, but these two men allowed huge sums to be invested into high-risk, exotic investments that bear all the hallmarks of being scams. It's important to look at this against the backdrop of mounting financial scandal in the UK. At Transparency Task Force, it's impossible not to be aware of how victims of financial scandal have been mounting up, with allegations that followed the last financial crash barely yet being looked at by the Business Banking Resolution Service before a wave of new complaints have come in linked to coronavirus more than 10 years later. Further, with COVID-19 having destabilised the economy, people are likely to be less financially secure and more vulnerable to fraudsters at the moment. Meanwhile, the consequences of these older cases, some of them dating back to the noughties, might be coming home to roost, including a reckoning with how the watchdog itself handled those scandals. City watchdog the FCA is preparing reports on three scandals, the Connaught Income Fund Series Rant 1, interest rates hedging products that were missold to SMEs, and thirdly, London Capital and Finance, a very interesting scam in which people believed that they were transferring money into ISAs, but in fact were putting their money into high-risk investments. The Pension Scams Inquiry is now putting a lot of pressure on tax enforcers to reform their approach to victims of pensions and investment fraud. And you both mentioned about HMRC and TPR registration, which just seems absolutely worthless, doesn't it? So, OK, so that's something that we should, uh, I think, be taking up as a committee. But thank you so much. Thank, thank you very thank much. You. Thank, thank you, Debbie. There was one other idea that jumped out at last week's evidence session that an independent governmental body might be able to advise the public and steer them away from risky investments. When she was asked about this idea, Susan Flood concurred that it might have helped her to dodge a bullet. I did take regulated advice um, and look where that got me. Um, so, but for the future, uh, a government-run body without commissions based would possibly work well. Um, yeah, it possibly may work well. Yeah. But for me, in my individual case, the answer would be no. Okay, so uh, an impartial body, uh, in that sense, may be a benefit. It's easy to miss her saying that, but it's quite important. It speaks to a controversial aspect of the UK's financial ecosystem that I covered on this blog last week. Independent financial advisers are permitted to take undeclared or secret commissions of between 20 to 50 percent for promoting schemes to savers. Concern was raised about this a couple of weeks ago by another TTF member called Peter O'Donnell. He's an Australian guy now in his 70s who was scammed in the noughties and lost his home. 
Now he directs a law firm seeking redress for similar cases to his own. Dolphin uh, Trust uh, took in 1.6 billion euros from over 6,000 investors, of which Britain and Ireland probably made up 40%. And I've had people who invested between 25 and 750,000 pounds. The 750,000 pounds person was a doctor who said, my biggest problem is I don't know how to tell my wife uh, he's retired. Uh, but I also had one today that said he, he, an IFA recommended he put his money into Dolphin uh, and then he put £25,000 into the scheme and the scheme blew up uh, mid this year uh, and is an insolvency in Germany. Uh, the driving force for this is, is secret commissions. And I really would love the, uh, the politicians to look into the payment of secret commissions uh, of between 20 and 50% as really a crime. For someone, if someone's recommending an investment getting so much money, uh, there really should be a way of identifying and stopping that. It's such a running theme in the cases that he looks at that he really thinks it is worth digging into. That's all I have for now. Um, this is the first time that I've recorded one of my blogs. Um, although I did some audio work about 10 years ago, this is a, a really kind of new format for me. So if you have any feedback on it, do let me know, and I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I know these are really serious and often harrowing subjects, but the important thing is to look for solutions to these problems and to not stop kind of working together and taking a social approach to these issues.